can't not sprint or not ski for a couple years, gain 30 pounds and go do a black diamond ski and you're gonna fucking kill yourself. So you gotta take it easy the first day or two and get back into it. So as far as the season goes, can I continue with that strength programming as I would? Yeah, if you really like skiing, skiing's the practice. Right. So you just, keep, you just keep lifting to get strong and the skiing is the practice of the sport, right? You just start, you ease, your back, you ease back into it over the course of several days and eventually you'll be fine. It's not a big deal, right? So, Ben. Uh, what are some common modifications you see if, uh, post lumbar fusion? I don't think you need any. Yeah, I wasn't thinking. I wouldn't so, think you'd need any modification. I mean, you're going to keep your lumbar spine in extension anyway. Right. If you have a lumbar fusion, it might be easier to do that. Because <laughs> now you've got one less mobile set. You can't bend right there. I train a lifter who has carrying the rods through most of his back. Uh, he fell from four stories and suffered what's called the first fracture of a couple of his lumbar vertebrae along with a number of other really nasty things. And uh, yeah, he holds his low back and extension real well. He's <laughs> got beautiful <laughs> extension. Uh, he, won't he, do anything he, does, else. he does have to be careful on the press about overextending because remember when you've got parts of your spine that are fused, the vertebrae above and below will tend to take a little bit more of a beating. So he yeah. is, he's less yeah. tolerant to moving his back around. Yep, right. But he, yeah, he, he can't do anything the size holds back. Right. I have the only the only concern I'd have in a Harrington drive situation is, is, do you let the rod take do you? Do you no. You he, can't do that. Do no, you let the rod take the take the moment, or do you make your muscles reinforce the position established by the rod? And I'd say you better make damn sure you do the lap. Yeah. And he's right. he is conservative. About <coughs> he not, ought to be concerned. Yeah, he's, he's careful. If someone has right. a spinal fusion, they're probably going to be careful. You have a comment yeah, about that thing? <coughs> Vic? I just had a, a question about a similar post operation. All right. Uh, post Tommy John surgery for pitchers, any particular training recommendation? Start slow. It's where they reposition the distal bicep tendon. No. Tightens it up real tight. And never, probably never. Fucks up again. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that'd be a lot of trouble. But no. you can't be conservative with it. You better get it moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I deal with a lot of pitchers at the school I work at, and they just sit there and do forearm exercises from the our athletic yep. trainer. And I try to get them right. to start pressing. Something yeah, they like need to be pressing. Yeah. Just so everything else doesn't turn to shit. Yeah. Because pressing certainly doesn't stress that repair. Right. They can't throw. But it good luck there. with the athletic trainers <laughs> making them understand that shit. Right. Okay, Steve. You don't have a question? It's your well, turn. We kind of asked one a minute ago. Yeah. He did? Well, he was piling Let's on. This is your own personal question. I got a question for him. All right. I got a question for him. So, chiropractor. We'll get him out of heaven to answer. Yeah, chiropractor. So, here's what I don't understand. You go get your back adjusted. That's kind of the primary thing chiropractors do, right? Right. That's all they do is adjust backs. How come they don't take an X-ray of your so out you got a you got a vertebra out your your you know out. your facet joint is off displaced. over here. Out. How come they don't take an X-ray of that when it's off? Adjust your back and take another X-ray of it and say, "See, I fixed it." Because well, I think it's, I think it's bullshit. Because it is bullshit. Okay, okay. So uh, some quacks do that, 
we, we're actually trying to get away from that because that's not the medical standard to take x-rays pre and post, to take x-rays every time someone comes in. Sure. We're I want an x-ray every we, time because I want to see what changed. We want an x-ray if there's trauma. So that, that's one right. of the times it's like they had a, bit, a recent trauma. We want to see it. Otherwise, we don't just x-ray for no reason. Some of us right. do, unfortunately. But x-rays are bad. But, so but, what's a back? Here's the deal. When, you, when he adjusts the back, there's yeah. not really going to be a measurable net change in vertebral position. Alignment. Okay. There better not be. Right. That's not what he's doing. That's not what the manipulation does. So what does it do? No, we, we, we've got to stop the bone. What does the manipulation do? Let's hear the current thinking on this. So the Why does it pop? The current we know it's not nitrogen yeah. bubbles. You know, Jordan actually told me that one time. Well, okay. I couldn't believe when he, I couldn't believe. Well, what happens when you pop your fingers? Can, can we listen to his answer? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, well so it, it mostly is the nitrogen bubbles that give you the cavitation. Horseshit. But that doesn't matter. If you're not, we're not, see, the, the problem is people need to stop trying to affect chain, like, you know, moving bones. We don't move bones. What, what, how are we going to move bones doing just a little thing like that? It, you might just get a joint that's a little bit <coughs> fixed, just moving a little bit more. And just if right. you know that, that local joint moving just a little bit better is going to cause everything to move just a little bit better, right? Because it's going to put everything... Upstream, downstream. All right, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, mostly, I, I, to be honest with you, I've got kind of a... I've got a somewhat unpopular opinion of chiropractic being in chiropractic school. I think that what we do is a lot of placebo, and yeah. I think that that's why I'm heading more towards adjustments as necessary, first exercises to get them out of pain, and then let's just get them stronger so that they're not in pain again. Right. And if they do, they'll be out of pain quicker. So I have a right. question too. What is, how, how is it a chiropractor's place to assign corrective exercises for anything? Well, I mean. I deal this with, my, with some of my clients. I'm like, oh, my chiropractor said I should do Turkish get-ups. Well, I mean, there's a lot of chiropractors <laughs> that have extra training in, in different rehab you know, modalities and whatnot. Uh, but, or just they, they have strength certs. A lot of them have CSCS. It's like it means something. So it's not like so a person should not respect the medical credential of a chiropractor as being able to assign corrective exercise. Well, no, I, mean, I think I, I wouldn't say that. that. Our school is more progressive minded than most, yeah. and we we learn those different corrective exercises. I just don't think we learn enough of them. But there's a lot of extra training that people can go through after the fact. And get better. Which is essentially what the problem is. This is what he's doing right now. Right. He's about to start assigning corrective exercises, right. and the corrective exercises will be squat well, and yeah. Right. Right. So that's yeah. that's the that's the problem. And this is the training. I don't think that uh, uh, a credential of any type qualifies anybody to do anything. <laughs> I think their expertise in that field qualifies them to right. do it. And and. The credential may or may not be capable of assessing that that expertise. So, if your qualification is a strength coach, that would probably weigh a little bit higher than a chiropractor, right? Yeah. Well, well, this certification is more like a damn diplomat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this certification is more like a diplomat. It's more like a yeah, master's degree or more. <laughs> there, right. You know, I would be wary of going to a weekend class and saying, "Oh, I do this thing now." I, I'd say, right. you know, just generally, it's going to take years like we're taking here to right. get good at this, to actually pass it. Right. Um, there are other programs that are like McKenzie, for instance, which is a, a mechanical diagnosis and therapy. It's mostly PTs, but some chiropractors do it now, too. And it's really just simple. It's trying to get people exercising themselves, getting themselves out of pain, instead of you having to do everything to them. Right. Which takes away their, you know, their ability to 
realize that they can fix themselves. Well, and I think you guys have not done enough to educate the public about what it is that you do. You're not putting the back back in. No. The back's not out. You're not putting it back in. That terminology to the lay person is it's misleading, but it's extremely powerful. We have a question, Michael. We'll ask. What is this? We. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a question. We're all you, you guys are. Which was the best whiskey you ever drank? What kind of whiskey? American whiskey. Scott, American whiskey I've ever had. Yeah. I'd say William Larue Weller. It's my favorite I've ever had. Can't find it anymore, but. Mm. You might get lucky. It's not much of it around. It's all hideously expensive now. Mayor, are you asking what's the best whiskey you can go out and buy? What's the best one right you can now? buy? Yeah. Rhetoric. Rhetoric. I just bought some up the road, although I bought the only bottle they had. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, during the programming lecture, I went up and bought it, but it's in the office. I bought it for Rhetoric. 120. 100, yeah, Rhetoric. It's available 21, 22, 23 years. They're all about the same. Just buy it if you see it. Yeah, buy all of it. Anything, anything that comes from the company orphan barrel is probably about the best thing. Forged oak, forged oak is great. Get your hands on it. Get you bought horse it. Is good. You buy, did you? Was, did you buy the only bottle of forged oak they had at that place? I don't know. It was like '69, right? I believe it was the only one I saw. Yeah. Uh, there may be another one down there. I'm not going to tell you where. American. I'm going to tell you where it is. Yeah. Bourbon is uh, has to be American. So there's good rye, good rye too. Willet rye is incredible. You can get your hands on Willet. There's Willet rye out here. Willet, W-I-L-L-E-T-T, -T, two L's, two T's. Fantastic. Yep. It costs about between 40 and 50 bucks. Okay. Okay. So most of my friends are pencil pushers. Right. Who complain that they are too fat, but they don't complain that they are too weak. Okay. See, that so, uh, really got it all backwards. Well, but, uh, well, let, let me Maybe you should question. tell them that they're weak. Okay, so basically what they do is they try different things. They try running, circuit training, all kinds of stuff. And let's say they come to me and they ask me for my advice. So I advise Why would they do this? Because <laughs> he, he's not fat. He's not fat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the advice is cool great training. So, what are the arguments I can convince them with? How should I convince them to do strength training, to do linear progression, compared to all the other stuff? That you know, that's a good question. I've already had that. I don't have to have that argument with any of you. So. I quit like worrying about it a long time ago. What? How do you? He needs like an elevator pitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. do you want to look? Like mm -hmm. squishy, like or do you want to look like dense? <laughs> like, do you want to look like a marshmallow, or do you want to look like ripped? <laughs> if you want to be ripped, you have to build muscle. You can also eat more when you have muscle, and that's way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> they all speak English. They speak English. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm going to do a pitch here. <laughs> why not? The very first episode of our podcast is called Why Strength? A Barbell Logic podcast. Why Strength? That's an excellent point. place to start. And it's just, look, I mean, that's, we go through, that's why we do what we do. It's a, syst it's a systematic progression. Uh, we don't go, in the, even in the beginning, we don't go through squats and deadlifts or anything. We just go, why is strength more important? Just looking good in a speedo, right? 
You guys all wear Speedos, right? You're Austrian? <laughs> all Europeans wear Speedos, right? Like we don't I wear think. You know what a Speedo time. is? Speedo? Most the little time. swimsuit, right? <laughs> I love Speedos. I'm not, I'm not knocking them. God damn, my shorts are three inches long than I'm wearing right now. What do you think? Nobody in this room. Well, that one guy. You got shorter shorts on. Anyway, I mean, just look. There's. You got to learn how to say There's a whole bunch of, a bunch of stuff, stuff that we I've written five right. or six articles on. His, his articles on like PJ Media. And so you got So we write articles on the site. There's a lot of this articles on startingstrength.com for us. They're for insiders. They're deep and scientific. And don't don't give them those people articles. that are already bought in. And then there's articles that he writes for the general public that are 800 word articles that are made for guys exactly like you're talking about. And you got to start giving them that and the podcast and that kind of stuff. You could translate those articles for them. Yeah. Well, Send me an email. I'll give you some work to do. I have another question. I mean, yesterday you were talking a little bit about peer-reviewed research. Right. And you wrote a couple of peer-reviewed articles, didn't you? Well, I, one, tried to, then I abandoned the idea because it became obvious immediately that this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have anything in mind in terms of, you know, like really doing an experiment? Absolutely side? not. Okay. No, this is the experiment. You are the peers. There are other types of data that are far more value than shit out of a journal that is peer reviewed. That's really very low quality data, actually. It's low. The phenomenology is more valuable than that particular type of data. Really, yeah. Yeah, but one could also work with qualitative data, questionnaires, data surveys, stuff like that. I sure. mean, it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be peer-reviewed. It doesn't have to be... So what kind of data do we work with in here? What have we been working with for 40 years while we developed this method, which works every single time it's applied? With the empirical data, none of it's peer-reviewed. But empirical data that all of our coaches have collected over their training history, over their coaching history, we're not, we work with data every day. It's just of a higher quality than that presented in any journal. I know that sounds blasphemous, right? So again, but our data is of higher quality than their data. And they have absolutely no standing to question our standing. None whatsoever. Fuck those people. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'm not into that kind of, kind of area, but I work in other areas. No, I understand. Peer I understand. And, and all fields have giant problems with peer-reviewed journal-published research. You guys have seen the, the, the papers that have been done on the reproducibility of, of these peer-reviewed studies. You guys have all seen all the, the, the tell-all articles on falsification and... And, publication bias and, and, and uh, mm -hmm. fabricated data and all this other so, so even when they try to do it right and they do strength training, what, what is the modality that they use for strength training? It's leg extension. So they do these peer-reviewed studies on the, on the benefits or whatever of strength training, and it's based on a leg extension machine. Yeah. This. How is it? That's not, that's it's not less than a relevant. That's it's not, not strength training. It's hilarious. One RM. That's right. 
Here's, I know, we, did, we, just, we presented at the coaches conference this year that, that for people who have been at Starting Strength Online Coaching for 16 weeks, for men over 40, their average squat increase was 110% in 16 weeks. 110%. More than in double. In four months. In four months, over 40 years old. Is there any peer-reviewed study that has ever shown that level of effectiveness in any training modality that they've ever studied in the, in the history of the human race. That's the average. No, there's not. That's the average. Well, but what, you could easily take those data and publish it to the peer review. Well, yeah, we're, we're working on it. Except they won't publish They won't publish a peer review. Well, why does it have to be peer reviewed? Because are you the guys you deal with only going to read peer reviewed NSCA journals and stuff? Do you know what the rate of readership is for a most peer-reviewed study? It's just the New York Times. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah. Sure, I get it. But you know that we've got a bunch of people in Austria that do starting trend online coaching. You could just make them sign up for that. And yeah, sure. I think I have a client in Austria. Yeah, we got a few. They're actually cool. Yeah. In But nobody reads peer-reviewed studies anyway. Yeah. This is a hilarious part of the whole damn thing. Nobody reads peer-reviewed studies. What's the average readership of the average peer-reviewed right. journal article? It's literally the author, media. the reviewers, <laughs> and the author's and spouse. Well, the media reads it after somebody else in the media shows the media that hey, here's this bullshit study to read. And then what do they read? The abstract. Yeah, the abstract. They read the abstract. It's the only thing that's right. Or just the hypothesis. But all the way across, across all publishing, the average uh, readership of your average peer-reviewed study is like eight people. <laughs> I, I, no shit, I just saw this a couple of weeks ago. I think it's actually been showed as more like three. Three, three yeah. Like I, the person that wrote it and the people that reviewed it is lines up eight. That's about it. The only ones that read the thing. Nobody reads it. Not even thing. their moms. I don't care <laughs> if we do peer-reviewed study. I don't want to do peer-reviewed study. Because, see, we're not limited by the permission of the IRB. We can do anything we want to do. We don't have to ask the IRB's permission if we can do below parallel squats. Because the IRB, if we have the Institutional Review Board, if, if we ask the Institutional Review Board if it's okay for us to do a study on IRB squat, on, on below parallel squats, what are they going to say? They're going to say, well, hang on a minute. Uh, we'll get back to you. And a couple of days later, they get back to you and they say, you know, there aren't any studies done on uh, below parallel squats, uh, and we're not sure of their safety and efficacy, so you can't study. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. I mean, how many of you guys are familiar with publishing like this? One or two of you? Chiropractor, right? Read the review studies. <laughs> you know, they they're not going to let you do the study, so right. it's pointless. So 